And so I think there's the power of that inner work and a, a willingness to go deeper into your own depths. And the, the compliment to that is having people in your life that you can have real talk with. What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We got a super fun conversation uh, for you today. Guy with a very interesting background. His name is Kel- Kellen Malad, excuse me, and he has a degree in psychology, but he is a specialist in natural movement. Uh, as well. So we really dive deep into the journey, uh, how we started uh, with psychology, moved to the fitness, everything in between, and how he tied those two together. And it was really cool to hear uh, his, his approach to not only coaching, but more holistic healing as well, and making uh, corrective changes with not just movement, but also finding that that good inner voice, that inner peace aspect as well that even uh, some of us might not realize that we're, we're searching for but need to understand uh, that's okay and in his words, you know, it's okay to lighten up and soften up sometimes. Uh, so I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation with Kellen. Uh, I kind of was nerding out a little bit, geeking uh, some with just the space I'm in and kind of picking his brain. Uh, had a few selfish questions, but overall really great content, very valuable information. Uh, Tim, what do you think about uh, our interview with Kellen? Yeah, I loved having Kellen on the show. He, What I found most interesting is how he was able to follow his passion and kind of navigate his way through his life so far. Because he he went he had a psychology degree, uh, went to grad school, was kind of just unsure about the path he was on with that. Found love and passion within fitness, and he's like, "Hey, how can I combine what I've learned so far in psychology, uh, just studying the behavior of people, and how can I impact that or integrate that into coaching and building meaningful relationships with people?" Which is what he talks about, like how he how he's able to build rapport with people, how he's able to add value first, uh, build trust with people. And I also asked him just some examples of how we as people can improve our movement and improve our balance. Because he, he touches on, yeah, strength and conditioning is good. It's, it's good to go into the gym and get your reps, but how can you add depth into your longevity, the way you move, the way you walk, um, just besi- besides just getting big in the gym, which yeah. I, I really liked him talking about that. Um, and yeah, I knew you were going to really nerd out on this one, <laughs> you, you, you being the, the movement guy over here, but man, like I, I learned a lot about it and I, I, I want to incorporate some of the things in, into my regimen too. It, it motivated me. So yeah. I think for, for those people that are like kind of stuck on a plateau with working out fitness, this can add some good depth to what you do. So I think there's a lot of good information in here. Um, so do you have anything else for, for the intro here? Yeah. So he just, he's good at understanding how to play the long game with, with all of this too. That's, and I think what he does can help translate that long game mentality into your, your business, your personal, into other areas of life. So a lot of key points here. Uh, Movement Parallels Life is his website as well as Instagram. Uh, so go check him out. Does some crazy awesome looking movements and just a really, really good hearted dude uh, and an amazing coach and mentor to people as well. So without further ado, here we are with Kellen Malad.
hey, we appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to join us. Oh, dude, absolutely. I love these opportunities to, to chat about all things movement and, and beyond. Yeah. So do you, do you have your own podcast as well? I don't actually. I've nice been set up there. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I do spend a lot of time doing uh, voiceovers on my YouTube videos. So, okay. yeah, it's <laughs> logging a lot of hours at uh, moving, but also you know at the computer and trying to describe what's going on behind the movement too. Yeah. How uh, how many YouTube videos do you have out? Oh man, uh, it all started with online training, and I had these like I had a bunch of little demonstrations of little pieces of movement uh, mm -hmm. to go along with online training and then I was building some e-courses and that got me creating more videos and then you know I just started doing longer follow-along practices so it's a but between all of that it's a couple hundred videos wow and that's a lot of editing and stuff too yeah yeah uploading and all that shit that goes with it yeah past probably like two and a half three years I've been doing uh, kind of slowly building the channel, not really trying to, but just putting out content for people. Uh, so there's resources for people to, to look at movement and exercise a different way. Yeah, uh, have you seen the YouTube really help with your overall growth? Has that been a pretty crucial component? Yeah, I mean, just like, just like a podcast, that's how I consider it. You know, the, the videos that I put out are the free content that draw people in, um, trying to draw in the right audience and the people that are interested in a more, maybe more expansive, more holistic approach to movements. And yeah, that's my primary marketing tool right there. So that drives uh, everyone towards my premium content. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, we, uh, we haven't added video yet, but we're thinking about a GoPro soon. Okay. So we, cause for whatever reason, people like to watch a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a thing. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I'll watch Joe Rogan, you know, smoke with Wiz Khalifa too. So it's like, it's entertainment. Yeah, man. I, I'm a, I'm a fantasy football fan. Uh, and all the, all the fantasy football podcasts that I listen to have, have a YouTube component now. It's, uh, it's cool. Which okay. ones do you listen to? Uh, the, the fantasy footballers and, uh, okay. Uh, fantasy pros and CPS guys. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fantasy footballers are it, like, I, I've followed them for several years and watched them kind of grow their following and their business and their whole studio setup and everything looks beautiful. I, I, I turn them on my TV sometimes, uh, log on to the, the YouTube app and, and yeah, I like to watch. It's cool. Yeah. It's amazing what podcasting has done for like specific niches. Like, yeah. If you specialize yeah. in a specific niche like that, you can really take off. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I saw that you started uh, in psychology at, so you went to Wisconsin. Yeah. And um, I'm interested uh, maybe for our listeners, a little background about yourself, who you are, what you're doing, how you started there and to where you are now. Cause I'm sure you integrate what you learned in school with what you do now, but I'm interested in the journey to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, psychology, man, it was, that's always, I've always been fascinated by, by people, uh, by human behavior. Maybe it was growing up as an only child and no, so no brothers or sisters, not a lot of exposure to other kids. I was always around adults and always in these situations where, you know, I just, you know, I just had to, had to observe adults interacting and I had to figure out like how, uh, 
how to behave myself, how to behave around adults, how to behave around kids. So I just had, I spent a lot of time thinking, considering human behavior and that, that led me to, you know, study psychology naturally when I got to the university. Um, and, you know, by the, once my bachelor's was done, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> what do I do now with a bachelor's in psychology? So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just go to grad school and uh, we'll just keep, you know, keep the party going for a few more years. <laughs> and, um, that, that really started to get into my, um, my area of interest because it wasn't research. It wasn't uh, statistics and, and all that. It was really like, how do you, uh, how do you communicate with people? How do you help people in uh, when they're hurting? And, and how do you really connect beyond just the surface level uh, conversations that we have day to day? And so that really appealed to me and that was right up my alley. But at the same time, I got into grad school, all these skills and, and the subject matter was super compelling to me. But I, I, I saw two things. One, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of strong male role models in that field. So at that point in my life, still a young man and still very much figuring out what it, what it means to be a man, what, what's my definition of masculinity. Um, and the traditional definition didn't really fit really well in, in the world of counseling, which is a lot of feelings and vulnerability. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't really know how to be a man in that field. Uh, that was some, I had some questions there. And then also what I noticed in my internship was people weren't exactly engaged in the process. Um, they were looking for pills and or answers to their life's problems. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, so basically I just didn't, I didn't see myself in pursuing that route in a formal capacity. Uh, and at that time fitness became, it went from just me working out and lifting to, a form of therapy for myself, just something that empowered me, that connected me to my masculinity, that connected me to um, to a source of strength. And um, so I started seeing some really good progress and gains during that time. And when I got done with grad school, I knew I wasn't going to formally pursue being a therapist or a counselor. Um, but I thought to myself, man, I was really making some good progress in in my fitness, what if I step into that space? What if? And um, yeah, I know it, it just following that feeling like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try and maybe it will be a more tangible way to help people. And um, it took off from there. Now that was uh, 10 or 11 years ago and, and the integration with the counseling skills and the psychology piece wasn't wasn't immediate but i always had even when i started learning to train and coach people i always took more of a relational approach more so than than other other trainers or, or the traditional train like personality or archetype of the personal trainer so um yeah it's been a slow progress process over the years to figure out how to bring more of those concepts of active listening empathy collaboration and orientation towards the process uh, over you know over specifically the outcomes and bringing those things into the world of fitness and training um to start building something uh i don't know new 
uh, but something different and something that was more aligned for my for myself. So that's kind of been the 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 short of it. That's cool, and that's interesting that you saw a different masculinity role within the counseling and knew that that might have might not have been for you. Uh, so then, did you uh, move to personal training because you said you saw just like kind of the, the issues with other trainers, is that where you started or did you move to more of the movement aspect uh, first? Yeah, I was definitely, um, so I graduated and then it was, I was, I made the decision to get into the fitness industry and those, once I made that decision, the dominoes fell pretty quickly and ended up and found myself working at a small uh, boutique style personal training studio. So I was learning about how to be a trainer kind of on the fly under close, uh, close mentorship, uh, close someone like a, a smaller company developing me. Um, and through my own trajectory at that point, I say, you know, I kind of started out with the, the bodybuilding routes, I guess. And then in college, it was what I call the men's health fitness phase. So it was more focused on, you know, just literally like taking workouts out of men's health and yeah. all these magazines and that stuff started to be more functional. Um, and, and in those, those days, functional training was kind of the focal point for as far as what trainers were, were learning. Um, so that was the basis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, getting people moving in all planes and focusing on compound movements. And I was at that point just trying to play catch up. You know, my nose was always in a book. I was always looking up articles and, and using myself and my own training as a, you know, an experiment, I guess, to figure out um, how to train people, how to, how to effectively help people build their fitness. So it was a very like traditional route to start with. And it wasn't until, I guess, every step of the way, I kept pushing that envelope looking deeper, like, okay, like I got, I got this, what's on the surface, what's in the mainstream, what else is there? What else? And I just kept digging. Um, that led me to kettlebells that led me to, um, get more into like weightlifting and, and what do power lifters do? What do, what do athletes do? And then, um, yeah, that eventually led me to the movement stuff years later. Okay. Uh, so you, you've had quite the journey of just learning, self-teaching everything under the sun. Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, now did you, did I see that you had a, a therapy piece as well to it? Any sort of rehab um, work that you did? Um, I've done, so, so I guess along with, you know, where I started in training, cor corrective exercise was a, a big, um, a big concept of figuring out like what are people's common postural issues and things like that. Um, so there was a big focus on that when I started off in the industry and um, I just got used to working with people in their primarily like in their forties, fifties, sixties, and I'm at that point in my mid twenties. Mm -hmm. So you, you really have to learn how to step your game up and you can't just put people through the paces and give them a beat down. Like right. you gotta like get in there and try to figure out what's going on with them physically. Um, but I guess it was really when I got into, this world of natural movements and started working with MoveNat that I had a, um, 
a, a different set of a different approach, a different set of skills to start helping people address their chronic physical issues in a more progressive and, and easy to understand, more well integrated way. So um, like I call it movement goodness, a lot of restorative rehabilitative movements um, in a very easy to understand, simplistic, minimalist type package. So with that, I've worked in a variety of settings, including physical therapy clinics um, and, and just like working with people to, you know, slow your roll. Like, let's make sure your foundation of movement and functioning is dialed in and in place before we get off into the crazy stuff. So sure. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, MoveNet. I- I've heard of it and I- I've kind of looked through it, but for listeners, people who don't know what, what is that? Yeah. Okay. So this was a big, uh, big turning point in my career. Uh, MoveNet is a, a global company, fitness company that promotes fitness via natural movements. So it's really rooted in um, physical education or re-education and getting people to uh, move their bodies in a way that's consistent with, like, I guess, like the the evolutionary design of our bodies. So. Um, Essentially, like an easiest way to describe it is is look at how kids develop um, from babies through toddlers to kids to young young teens and, and adults, um, and and bringing more of that process into the, the 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 focal point of training. So not just exercise, but natural movement crawling, ground movement, getting up and down from the ground, balancing, um, walking more efficiently, running, jumping, lifting, carrying, throwing, catching, all the things that the human body was designed to do. Um, MoveNat is a system. Idea is, is longevity. Make sure that you can take care of your body to move well for a lifetime. Nice. So I got involved with them in 2011. It was just like a complete eye opener for me. Um, It was, I I was ready for kind of a shift in the paradigm of fitness. And all of a sudden, like, here's a company that's, it's got the knowledge and is doing it. And I had the opportunity to get on board and start teaching for them. And, you know, that was for me, this opportunity of a lifetime to, uh, go from just working with people one-on-one to being on stage, working with groups of people uh, to to learn a complete new, not a completely new approach, but a way different approach to how to approach long-term health via movement. Mm-hmm. And were you, were you curious about movement like before that? Like did, did that just – that was just the next progressional step and, and you're learning. You said, Hey, I want to learn movement. You're looking at companies. And that was, that was one of the first that came up. What really opened me up to it was uh, kettlebells. Actually, I spent okay. a lot of time training kettlebells. And with that, you have this tool that you can, you can get really strong, but all the movements are a little bit more complex. They involve uh, the compound movements. They, they integrate the, the total body. And there were a lot of smart people. There are a lot of smart people in that community um, talking about movement and the importance of good movement patterns. So that primed me for 
you know, thinking beyond just bicep curls and tricep presses and isolated movements and got me thinking about larger movement patterns. And it was actually at a, at a, a advanced kettlebell workshop uh, certification that I was exposed to this company called MoveNat and they did a little demonstration and they had us just like moving around the gym in like an obstacle course fashion and I was just blown away and I, I, I just looked like I was the person having the most fun in the room and <laughs> um, uh, moving pretty well and, and literally got offered a job on the spot. So wow. yeah, it was, it was through the world of strength training, but kind of this underground world of strength training that got me interested in movement um, and parkour. And then that led me into MoveNat, which is this very well outlined progressive system for better movement. And yeah, and so I was really primed for it. I always say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that was like really the case in this, this scenario. Mm-hmm. So what's it been like working at MoveNet? Like, do they, what are the, uh, like the educational opportunities within look like? Cause obviously you, you learn, I mean, as you do and as you teach and as you go, but what, what's that whole experience been like? Cause you're still there, right? Still working. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually just got back from, from leading our, our level three certification. Um, and it's been really amazing. You know, I started out just doing like random one-off, day-long workshops in parks and playgrounds and it's evolved into a full-on certification system where personal trainers and anyone in the health and fitness industry or anyone who's just interested can get certified to learn the ins and outs of this system and like I said it's it's these concepts of being able to learn what makes good movement good Um, and by good I mean more efficient um, and, and so over the years, it's grown from a, a, a very small group of people to a, a, a team of about 10 to 15 people, instructors all over the world. There's, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe three, 4,000 certified trainers since 2012. And now we primarily lead uh, uh, these certifications. So they're, they're generally two to four days long. And um, we take we take people from the ground and build their build their movement up from there. And a very progressive system. And it's very, it's very cool to see everything well organized now and, um, and spreading to the masses. And there's even a, um, the, the creator of this system, his name's Erwan LaCour. Uh, and he just recently released uh, a a, a book that's like a, a, a textbook called the practice of natural movements. And yeah, you know, it's a great place for people to, to self-study. And, you know, I'm a big fan of that, obviously. Um, and the practice of natural movement really outlines the whole system and even what this whole concept is, because it's so different than how we think of, you know, move an hour a day, three times a week for, you know, it's, it's way different than the exercise model and it's not for everybody, but it, it, a lot of people are are making huge positive changes in their life because of it. So it's it's been a, a wild ride, but it's cool. Have you read the book, Start to Finish, already? Not not Start to Finish. It's how big? How big is it? 
500 pages. Oh, well, and is it more like a, it's, it's one of those like, re, is it one of those like reference books where you don't really need to start at the beginning, read to the end. It's more of like, you just start anywhere. Yeah. I, yeah. Like that's I'm how kinda, I would it. I'd go to, a, I'd, go to a, I'd go to a workshop and get the overview and have the textbook as a resource because okay. like, you can, it breaks down the whole philosophy, but then it goes into it movement by movement, skill by skill and offers a breakdown okay. of, you know, what do you want to think about during these movements? What do you want to be feeling in your body? And, um, and, and then from there, just starting to understand that these movements don't just exist in a vacuum in the gym. They're not exercises with one specific form, but it's a set of tools that's meant to get you to go be in the world and play again and go, go out in nature, climb trees, uh, climb go bouldering, climb on rocks and jump from rocks and uh, go, there's components of, of combatives or, you know, self-defense. There's components of uh, aquatics, uh, movement in the water and locomotion, moving your body through space, lifting, carrying, throwing and catching. So you're working with external objects. So really the entire spectrum of human movement is represented, but what you want to do with that is up to you as the practitioner. So it's not saying like everyone has to move the same way, but it's more like, here's how the body, here's how humans move. But from there, it's like, get out of the gym and go do something. Mm -hmm. Experience movement on your own terms. And it's that, that message of freedom and, and move as well as you can for a lifetime that really, um, that's what really has, has kept me grounded in this community for so long. Yeah, sounds like a wild book. I bet the I bet it takes a lot of text to describe what you should be feeling and where. I bet there's a lot of just like that probably takes a lot of the page. Oh man, this book was years in the making. Five hundred damn, that's like two Harry Potter books put together. Shit. <laughs> it, it's a full on textbook, man. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets used for college courses sometime in the near future because it's it's a big resource but it's cool that it's out in the world and people are starting to get a a more comprehensive picture of movement beyond just exercise in the gym there's so much more to it so kellen you're gonna write a book uh i hope to someday absolutely absolutely you a big writer um it's i yeah, I, I am. I really enjoy it. It's it's some it's a craft that I continue to push myself to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, the words don't magically flow out, but I really love to sit down and take some time to uh, talk about the convergence of movement and physical training and how that feeds into the process of life and how we develop as individuals. So yeah, someday I'll write a book on, on that topic. Um, right now, it's a lot of writing. Uh, I used to do blog posts and now it's more sharing the, some of those thoughts in, in Instagram posts and via okay. email marketing. Um, but I really love to get into some of those deeper layers of um, how health and movement impact our, you know, holi- ho- impact us holistically. And it's all the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual are all tied together. And movement's just a great way to, to promote health across the board. So I, I love those conversations. Yeah. We're big writers. We write all the time. So that, that's, that's funny that you say you want to write a book because I'm sure both of us are planning on getting there someday. Excellent. You know, it's like 
through 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 podcasting through creating videos through all these are creative endeavors and it's just about putting the ideas out into the world and then they start to get organized and mm-hmm. and you start getting a uh, a sense of the landscape and how the how the pieces of the puzzle fit together and then you know you keep doing your thing for for years and years and years and then soon enough you've got enough material for a book and you know i can see that can see that unfold yeah that's cool so uh i kind of creeped your linkedin a little bit and saw you did you do work with uh cities in terms of reducing overhead costs insurance premiums when people get injured uh working and they're out of work so i'm do you still do that and and what is that that industry like because that sounded like a pretty uh, uh interesting niche that I never heard of before and I'm curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a good friend of mine, a uh, physical therapist uh, and but a real like sharp dude, entrepreneurial minded guy, um, guy, he's built this company, Tappy, uh, Tactical Athlete Health and Performance Institute. And, um, and I'm, I kind of work on the periphery with them. You know, we're still trying to find a place for, what I bring to the table. And um, if you think of our healthcare system as being more reactive than proactive, um, the role of that company is to expedite speed of care for police, uh, police and firefighters that are injured um, while on duty and, you know, making sure that they can get the, the best care possible as fast as possible. So that fits really well with our reactive uh, healthcare system, but we also want to be proactive and and help give those tactical athletes the tools and the education and the resources to help them stay injury free uh, as much as possible. And you know that's that's kind of where I come into it. So we're still I'm kind of we're slow playing it and and really working for to find opportunities to to bring my skills into the fold, but uh, really hoping to just start simple and help um, uh, help those populations make small changes to bring more holistic movement into their, into their everyday lives um, so they can hopefully avoid injury. And, you know, by the time they make it to retirement, make sure that they've still got a lot of miles left in the tank. Um, and their bodies just aren't um, completely sacrificed in the name of of service. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that project's in the works, but very exciting stuff. And it's, again, it's like cool to get outside the culture of the gym. I love the gym, but, you know, there's so much more to health and so such so much bigger um, impl- implications for what this all means beyond just, you know, having a nice to set it. Nice. I like that because we have uh, a lot of first responders in, in our office that come to see us. And so it's cool to get to treat them. And sometimes it's like, hey, guys, I can't make it. I, ha- I got to sleep today because like, they were out doing a fire or had a late call or something. Um, but so when did you start uh, your business? Because uh, you, have, you have a great looking website. It looks like just clean and easy. Um, how has that business been going? When did you start that? What, what's your growth like, uh, marketing, things like that? What, what have you seen work, not work? Hmm. Yeah, that's been an ongoing experiment. Um, and, 
you know, I started out with just a personal blog and then eventually it, it struck me like, what's the, what's the thing about all of this movement stuff that is most impact has been most impactful for my own life and what's most interesting. And, and that's how movement parallels life was born. Um, because throughout my journey of development, I was, I haven't always had the guidance or the, the mentorship that, you know, may have helped ease my way through a lot of life transitions, but something that's always been with me is, um, movement and fitness and training. And I've gained so much personal strength and confidence and, um, uh, learned so many life lessons through, through my training. Um, and so that's, that's how I came up with the name movement parallels life. And, uh, I started it off not, not really sure what I wanted it to be. And I'm, I'm still not entirely sure, but I've, I've landed on making it a coaching and mentorship company. So, um, I've done online training over the years and I do a little bit of that still. And it's not 100%. It's not the area where I can make the biggest impact, but what I'm focusing on now is the mentorship piece and helping people, um, with holistic life coaching, I guess is the easiest way to talk about it, but I just call it mentorship. You know, we all get stuck at different points in our life and whether that's in your physical health or your career development or your personal relationships, uh, I really believe in the power of, uh, uh, good conversations to drive self-reflection and help us, uh, help challenge our comfort zone and do what we need to do to grow in, in life. So in order to drive that business, I, I make a lot of movement videos and a lot of, of content and resources just to get people, give something, give people something tangible to follow along with and ex physically experience themselves different ways. I think so many people have the idea that, that a workout has to be a beatdown or that fitness has to be something that's, that is just blood, sweat, and tears that's completely driven by, you know, discipline and, um, you know, show up and work hard all the time. And a lot of my content is, is, helped to, is meant to help people recalibrate a different balance. There's a time and a place to push hard and to uh, put your pedal to the floor and go and, but there's a lot more of the time that can be benefit from slowing down, uh, focusing on restorative movement, mobility, um, and really feeling and connecting with yourself through your, your physical body. Um, and it's really interesting what comes up for people in that process. When you take away the focus purely on the goal of running faster, lifting more weight, jumping higher, and, and there's really nothing wrong with that. But my focus is to help people shift from purely um, moving towards the outcomes and, and the goals that they have to focusing on the process behind physical training and figuring out, well, what do you learn about yourself along the way? Um, so it's very much geared towards mindfulness. That's what my content is all about, mindful movement. And uh, I make a lot of space to help people go a little bit deeper when they're ready for some of those deeper layers. And, and that's kind of how I've brought my experience in counseling and psychology back into the fold. 
So uh, what does that piece look like? When you see someone, when you think they're, they're ready for that, uh, how, how does that kind of come to fruition where you start to say, hey, there's a lot more than just movement uh, going on here? Yeah, well, it's I, what I've learned over the years of doing this is there, it's up to the individual to be, to decide when they're ready to make a change in their life. Um, and, and, and on what, to what depth, to what degree, on what level they want to pursue change. You can't, you can't force someone to change. Um, so my focus is making myself available, putting out as much content as I can, sharing as much of my experience and journey as possible in um, the content that I provide and opening up that space via what I talk about in my videos and what I write about and what I post about. And then when people decide they are ready, uh, they generally reach out to me and the work ends up looking like a combination of Zoom calls. Uh, we, we jump on a, a Zoom call, set up a chat for um, generally an hour and a half to two hours and uh, really get deep into some topics. And we keep the communication going between calls with um, uh, emails or what I prefer are uh, voice recordings using the little voice memo app mm -hmm. and just to talk, just to be able to talk through your stuff in your own words. Um, writing you as a way of, you, you can censor yourself, you can take the time to really craft what you're saying. Um, there's something very powerful I found about sharing your story and sharing your experiences in your own voice um, and hearing a response and getting feedback from someone else in their own voice. And so I try to keep the dynamic as personal as possible, even though a lot of the correspondence is done uh, via the internet, obviously. I like that. That's the, that's the psychologist in you speaking. Because you can tell you have a lot of knowledge about that. Because that was going to be my next question is how you cut, you touched on a little bit just now, but like how has your knowledge in the psychology realm enabled you to build like meaningful relationships with these people? Because you mentioned it before as well, how it's not the typical physical therapist relationship where it's go, go, go like that. Like how do you kind of warm up to people and build that rapport with the help of your psychology? Yeah, it's it, everything in psychology is about listening. You you um, you spend so much more time listening than you do talking, and uh, you develop your skill of listening and deeply listening and um, listening from a, a more intuitive place. So, I hope my hope is that by sharing myself through my content, that 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 process of building rapport is already happening. I, um, I try to make my, like my, something like Instagram where whether it's my, um, my movement parallels life account, my brand account or my personal accounts, I'm trying to be as real as possible. Um, not just not, not air everything out obviously, but like, that's, that's me. Um, and I'm not trying to manicure that or, um, or I'm, I'm trying to be as real as I possibly can um, in a relevant way uh, to, to help build that rapport. 
uh, I want people to be able to have a sense of who I am through the content that I put out. And I hope that that starts the process of rapport. Um, and uh, if people like that content, they, they can purchase some of my products or they can jump on my Patreon page. And sometimes those relationships start to connect us further via email and short exchanges. I always make myself available to people. If you just want to chat, reach out and ask a question, I, you know, I really try to be responsive to that. And um, I, I think that sets the stage for when people are ready to commit to making change. They know that, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is willing to walk with them through that process. And the biggest thing that I've learned about this work along the way is to trust my intuition more. Uh, I've always been a very intuitive mover and trained for in a very intuitive way. I'm not the guy that's following a program to a T, um, but using programming and using templates to help guide people's training process but the goal is to help build a stronger connection to an inner inner voice, inner compass, um, what I call intuition. So learning to trust my own intuition and what I'm sensing in a conversation has been um, a, a huge part of my growth as a, as a coach and a mentor. Great. Um, you, you talk about with a, a lot of intuitiveness, finding that that inner voice and for a lot of people probably probably that inner peace that they don't know they're searching for yet yeah with with your movement journey and just all things your, your fitness the the psychology everything kind of put together now what has really really stood out to you in terms of you found some some deeper things or meaning or something you had to work through that the movement helped kind of bring up like oh man i yeah, I had to work through this, uh, or, or this time really taught me a lot because of my movement. But uh, was there something that came from that, that inner voice of, okay, this kind of, this nagging at me, I need to work through this, but the movement helped you with that. Mm, yeah. It's um, a really great question. Um, and so I'll say that the, the first thing is, at a time in my life when things in the gym were, I was feeling completely overwhelmed with life. I'm trying to gain clients as a personal trainer. I'm, I'm just feeling totally overwhelmed mentally, emotionally, and physically. Uh, I'm training really hard, spending my whole day in the gym, trying to will my way to success. And I'm trying, I'm literally like just, I'm going to work as hard as possible until the wheels fall off or, or I'm a success, whichever comes first. And um, the big shift that I made was simply going outside and allowing myself to experience movement like I did when I was a kid. And so this concept of play really um, started to open up a new space in my life when I let myself, when I gave myself permission to have fun again and, and move, uh, move for the sake of moving and go out in the world and not worry about an exact amount of sets and reps and not worry about uh, my goals of getting bigger and stronger and, and all of that. When I just allowed myself to play and, and reconnect with that 
type of energy. Um, it, it, it had this depressurizing effect. Um, all of a sudden my body was getting a break from the brutal training that I was putting myself through. My mind and my like, emotional system was getting a break from all the pressure that I was putting on myself to succeed. And, you know, it really hit home this point of you know, like working the hard way isn't always the best way. Working harder doesn't always translate to better results. Um, everything's got to be in balance. So there was definitely a piece of, of learning to soften and, and just lighten up and, 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 and play and don't be so serious all the time. That, that was something that movement helped me experience um, for, for myself and experience in a really tangible way. Um, and then I'd also say um, just learning to slow down and, and be kinder to my body. It, it, it's similar, um, not beat myself down and not make um, hard training the, the priority, but balance it with, with softer practices. So, you know, I often refer to like, masculine and feminine feminine energies when I talk about this because it's like what do we think of as as being masculine and what do men do like how do men stay fit like we lift heavy shit and we <laughs> and you know and and yeah. we get strong and a man's supposed to be muscular big and athletic and um and, and able to perform and and so I, th I think that's the the template that a lot of guys operate from and then they don't focus on some of the softer things like um, like stretching and balancing and um, whatever else. So, and we know logically that like that those things have value, but I think there's a, there's more of a subconscious or a, an ingrained belief that as men, you know, we got to focus on, on being big and bad. Um, and there's not as much time for the soft stuff. And um, you know, I, I think women kind of that, that script traditionally kind of flips, um, and, you know, not completely, but, you know, just speaking in generality. So just learning to make a little bit more space to move like a human instead of, you know, trying to be this like, you know, masculine archetype that's, um, you know, some, in some ways outdated. Yes. I want to be strong, but I also want to be able to move. I want to be able to address, uh, pain in my body and be pain free. And I want to be, I want to be fluid. I want to be loose and I want to have an element of, of gracefulness to my movement as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that practice is driven kind of through, through movement. And it, I think it's opened up a lot of space for me, um, emotionally as well and to expand my definition of what it means or what, what being a man can mean yeah you don't have to be this stone cold badass all the time like you can cry and you can have emotions and you can be sad and you can you know express love freely and um that's that softening that i think is is really um really good for not just men people in general that's huge i think that's really like huge that. Could you, uh, just out of curiosity, could you share a couple exercises that people can do to, to help with better balance? 
like people who, I mean, for the people out there that are all about going in there and just throwing iron around, like what are some, you mentioned stretching, but like, is there anything that you can think about the top of your head, some tricks to help with balance, better balance? Better balancing. And yeah, balancing is interesting because balance is something that's, that's embedded into every, every kind of movement. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think about like crawling as one way to, uh, to bring the butt, like uh, almost integrate the move net, uh at a foundational level. It just starts with laying out two by fours on the ground. So anyone can go to, to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever and, you know, spend $3 on a eight foot two by four, put that at home and you've got an instant balance trainer right there. Mm -hmm. um, just focusing on walking with balance. So if you watch people walk in the world, you'll see a lot of different types of walking. You'll mm -hmm. see people kind of falling forward into space or lumbering side to side. And by, and, and people get away with it because most of the surfaces we walk on are wide and they're uniform and they're devoid of, you know, many obstacles. Think of, you know, a sidewalk or whatever. Um, but when you force people to walk on a narrow surface, all of a sudden the stability of their hips, knees, and ankles comes into play, um, their ability to um, stabilize over their midline. So just walking over a two by four. And then if you want to get a little uh, advance from there, start going out into the world and finding opportunities to balance at height progressively. Mm -hmm. So that's the play piece. Get out of the gym where everything is standardized and, and more or less safe and predictable and get out into the real world and try balancing at heights. Um, start with a, a tree that's easy to climb or balance on a curb or the railroad tracks or uh, a, a hand railing that's stable. Um, the, you know, I, I only caution like beginners to like, don't get too big for your britches right out of the gate. Ledge on the rooftop, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Damn. We, we, generally, we generally see the biggest uh, opportunities first, but just taking those subtle opportunities to, to be playful and find something to balance on that's off the ground a little bit and, and see how you do. And it's pretty amazing how the nervous system adapts and responds to a little bit of input. It doesn't need to be hours of training, but if you can do 5, 10, 15 minutes of balancing a few times, one or two times even, per week, um, you're going to see some, uh, some fast gains from that, even if it's just a two by four on the ground. So I think that's the best place for people to start. Um, and, and not to go into it with like, I got to make these balance gains, like just like have some fun with it. Yeah. And, and you're going to, you're going to challenge your body in a, a softer way, but a different way. And that, that balance then translates to more stability for whatever other en endeavors that you will take on. Mm. I like that. Have you ever seen, uh, either you guys seen the balance guru on Instagram? No. Name sounds familiar. He'll, he'll like th talk about the most amazing balance I've ever seen in my life. He'll do like, you know, the stacks of dumbbells way super high. He'll get to the top and handstand on top. <laughs> and like he talks about like he's gotten like seriously injured before like doing this stuff but crazy the balance guru yeah, yeah. Oh, look him up. Watch, watch his shit he's insane 
But don't it's borrow any of his ideas. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I'm not going to say never. Just not yet. We'll start with a 13-story building. Right. Yeah. Dude, Instagram's a crazy place, and you see the type of adaptations that the human nervous system can make as far as movement based off the crazy stuff that people are able to do with their focused training. And on the other side of that, the coolest thing to me about MoveNet is it's all rooted in practicality. Like it's, it, it, it's like, let's look at these practical scenarios and what kinds of movement you need in just your everyday life. And let's master that first. And then wherever you want to take it from there, like the sky's the limit. But, um, you know, I love that, that piece of making it accessible and relatable to the average person. Um, and so people can like get off the gram and like stop being, like stop observing movement and being movement voyeurs, but start participating and experiencing the movement in their own body, in their own world. Um, and that's what I just really, uh, really appreciate about the, the progressive approach. Like, yeah, there's really amazing stuff out there, but don't start with that. Like start with what's easily and accessible to you and what's going to add, actually add value to your life. Mm -hmm. So do you guys use a lot of, uh, diaphragmatic breathing, trunk stability with, with move Nat, anything like that? Try to keep the cues as simple as possible, but yes, a big emphasis as far as efficient movement. We talk about um, deep, relaxed breathing, like at a baseline, diaphragmatic breathing as a way to promote uh, calmness and awareness in movement. We talk about alignment and being able to uh, understand your alignment as something that's changeable, and and the perfect alignment is relative to the movement that you're trying to perform. We talk about the balance between tension and relaxation in the body, tension to stabilize, uh, relaxedness to enable movement. And we talk about looking at the skill behind movement and how do you break movement techniques down into a specific sequence, a step-by-step -step sequence, and then understand how those steps are executed in relation to one another, uh, the timing piece. And it's those little details of sequence and timing that take a movement from uh, like, eh, all right, to clean and dialed mm -hmm. in. And so it's, it's a simple framework, but you can really go deep down the rabbit hole and, uh, and use it to, um, uh, to improve your movement exponentially. Yeah. And then you talked about uh, transforming the way we move starting as, as infants, uh, any like, Dynamic neuromuscular stabilization work. You guys ever touch any of that DNS? Anything with, with that? It just made I'd, me think of it. I'd imagine so. The, all these very like heady, analytical, sciency um, uh, parts of uh, uh, of the fitness world are pretty well represented within this practice of natural movement. Okay. But you know, for me, coming from this background of psychology, I'm always promoting the importance of communication and how often as professionals do we run like you've got all the letters after your name, you've got all the degrees, all the credentials, but if you can't communicate those complex ideas to a lay person, mm -hmm. then they're of limited value because at the end of the day, we're collaborating with our clients and the people that we're working with, it's their body. 
Like we have to be able to, to express these concepts and, and help them make that connection and bridge the gap between their understanding and our expertise. So as far as like irradiation and activation and, um, and, and, and coupling and things like that, these concepts, um, we try to keep the language as simple as possible. And, uh, and, and generally it starts with getting people on the ground, um, getting them to, to sit on the ground and find these basic positions, um, promote better mechanics of reaching and rotating, um, and, and couple that with the breathing and the alignment piece um, and really get people to think beyond the old framework of stretching and just like pulling on tissue and wrenching joints, but to like, how can you actively create stability in your body? Um, and, and from that foundation, perform a simple movement, like extending your arm into a reach. And from there, how are you exploring your available range of motion? So I think there's a lot of that neuromuscular education that comes just through a very basic practice. Yeah. Breathe, set up a good position, and then move through a diverse array of, of angles and, and really explore your range of motion with strength, stability, and intention. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, it's, I love that you said how you need to make it simpler, just layman's terms. Uh, because my mom sent me an article about like four big mistakes that coaches make. And one of them, like, like kiss, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Like they don't need to know all this. That That's, that's your job as coach. They need to know this. Yes. So, Cause this is not compliant for most people. Yeah. But you give them this and, and it is. That's the beauty. What I love about coaching movement is to be able to see movement, to understand what's going on and, to collaborate with someone and in order to do that it requires good communication and it's using the right tool at the right time um, the right intervention at the right time or the right cue at the right time um, and the challenge behind that to make it as simple as possible to drive um, change and I, I just think that's that, that that's so cool and keeps me keeps me definitely engaged in my work that's awesome that's awesome so what, uh, for the people that like sit at a desk all day and like the people that don't really get to move like consistently for their day jobs for 40 hours a week, um, what, what are, would be some tips that you give for them that are like sitting in an office all day? I mean, maybe don't even get to the gym as much as they would have liked. Like what, what advice would you give to them? Oh man, this is in the, uh, in the spirit of keeping things simple, I would say, you know, the simplest things that you can do are to get up from your desk, um, you know, like as, as often as possible, like break up those big, it doesn't have to be for a long time, but to get up, walk around, stretch a little bit for, you know, I don't know, three to five minutes at, twice an hour. I don't know, like, um, something simple, like but promoting more movement that way and, and fighting stagnation, fighting the stagnation of just sitting and melting into your chair. Um, I would say, uh, from there set up, make a few changes to your living space to promote movement. Um, and play like 
have I talked about the balancing beam, um, set up a pull-up bar so you've got something to hang from. Um, not You don't need to be banging out pull-ups or crazy stuff, but just something to grab onto and, and, and load your shoulders with some basic hanging, even if your feet are still on the ground. Um, taking some time to, like, I'm not saying throw out your couch or your recliner, but get off your couch for a little bit and sit on the floor and um, like support you, like sit, sit upright, but find different ways to sit on the ground, move around a little bit. Um, if you've got kids or you've got a like pets, um, that gives you a perfect opportunity, a perfect reason to get on the ground and move a little bit. And, and, and if possible, you know, try to, tr try to add more walking to your life. So that'd be my simplest, mm -hmm. uh, simplest place to start. Everyone's different with how much change they're willing to inject into their environment. But if you rely on the mainstream culture to guide your habits, you will simply not get enough movement nutrition into your diet. Um, a lot of us have to go out of our way to make better decisions with our, our, our food choices. And the same goes for our movement. So, you know, limiting those big long blocks of time sitting, um, making some opportunities to move within your own living space and taking the time to do a little bit more walking. We all know the thing of like park farther away, take the stairs rather than the elevator and, um, and, and do some ground sitting, get on the ground and get off the chairs and elevated surfaces as much as possible. It's good. Oh man. Tim, you got anything else for uh, Colin here? Um, trying to think of the one that got away. <laughs> question, guys. Question. It usually comes back. That's interview round to follow up on the question. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good on my questions. Okay. Uh, I guess only other thing. Um, have you ever had to fight any any resistance with? Oh, it did come back. All right. I'll hang on to it till after. I see. It always comes back. Uh, any resistance to not having a like college degree uh, in like a, a kinesio or physical therapy or anything like that? Never. Never. Okay. Um, I. Um, Sounds like you were pretty well trained as well with everything. Yeah, I mean, I. I as a trainer, um, I, I always tried to stay in my lane. Um, since then I've really kind of embraced a new identity, merging the, the space between, you know, fitness movement and, and counseling. So, you know, there's always that, that experience or that credential expertise. Um, and, and everything that I currently do, I stay within this framework of natural movement. Um, and I think I, I, I honor other people's expertise and differing viewpoints for sure. Um, but I try to keep it, I try to keep it relatable and I try to keep it relational. So I always stay in those lanes and, you know, try not to try not to overstep. And to me, it's never, a, it, it's, it's, it's not so much about like having the exact answer via science and research. Uh, that's never been where I'm positioning myself. I'm when I'm working with people, it's always this collaboration. Like, let me share with you what I know and what I see and please give me feedback. Let me know what you're experiencing in your body and let's work together to, to figure this thing out. So, 
Um, you know, that's kind of been my approach. And I think that approach uh, has, has done well to, to limit some of that, that resistance. Okay. I, I guess I ask a little selfishly because I'm 180 from what I graduated with too. And, and every once in a while, it's like, uh, well, as long as he's certified or whatever it is, you know, so that, that's why I ask. Um, but the one that came back. So earlier you mentioned how you had to give yourself uh, permission to kind of uh, soften up and, and lighten up, let things, you know, be a little more vulnerable, change your view of the masculinity. That permission piece, I feel that a lot of people haven't given, their, the, given themselves permission to even be successful or do exactly what they want to do. Like it almost feels wrong. How, how did that uh, mindset transition work or how, what did you do to try to make that click? Like, okay, this is okay. Like for me to do this. Mm, yeah. Um, another great question in my mind. It's, 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 it's habits. Um, a lot of the programming, a lot of our ideas on who we are and how we're supposed to be are, I believe, social constructions. They're the product of a lot of conditioning messages that we've received since we were children. Um, so in order to, reprogram and rewrite some of those narratives like it it, it takes practice um and the practice comes from awareness so it you gotta have a you gotta have an awareness and a willingness to look at your own stuff um look at what you're not satisfied with in your life and have a real talk with yourself about where you're thriving and where you're falling short um no matter like whatever, in whatever capacity, whatever identity. Um, and that's, I, I don't know what sparks that because that's a lot of people are really good at fooling themselves and, and living in kind of like a state of denial, but oftentimes there's a spark for people that, that it's like a wake up call. Um, and when you have that wake up call and you're willing to look at things more, um, more objectively, more openly, see a different perspective. It, it starts to it, it starts the process of creating some space. So you start asking yourself some questions. You start being real with yourself. And if you can't be real with yourself, like then then you, you can't be real with other people. You can't be open with other people. So I really think it starts from within and some self inquiry. Um, and there are a lot of a lot of books out there, a lot of resources to assist with that, a lot of philosophies and, um, and, and, and outlooks that can help, help tap into that and promote that once there's some open space, once you can kind of get your foot in the door, so to speak. Um, and, and so I think there's the power of that inner work and a, a willingness to go deeper into your own depths. And the, the complement to that is having people in your life that you can have real talk with and not just the surface level, small talk, not, not like going deeper than just, yeah, I'm good going deeper than, yeah, everything's fine. But like sitting down with those people that, that know you, that you trust, that there's some love there and you can, you can really open up and share, share some of that inner journey with them and get some feedback, some honest feedback, not, not, 
not them blowing smoke at you, not them telling you what you, they think you want to hear, but to get the real deal. Those people who in your life who will give you the real deal are so important and to stay connected with those people and have, have deep conversations with them. Sometimes those conversations can be heavy and, and, and draw up a lot of stuff emotionally. They can be dark. They can be exhausting, but not always like a, a close connected interaction and, and relationship. A good conversation can be light and playful too, but it's that component of, of being able to open yourself up, be your authentic self, be real and be real with yourself and be real with your people. And a combination of more time, more exposure to those those two concepts is to me what drives that whole process. That mic. Yeah, yeah. Same. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm so glad you that came back to you, man. That's, uh, yeah. that, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Timmy's still good? Yeah, I'm All right, right on. Uh, so, Kellen, where, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, best way to find me uh, on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Movement Parallels Life. My website is also called Movement Parallels Life. And my Instagram uh, is also movement par- movement.parallels.life. Someone um, took it without the dots. Yeah. <laughs> I like the separation. I don't know. It's something yeah. about that. So, um, but yeah, those you, YouTube, my website, Instagram, I'm hanging out there all the time. So those are great places to check out my content. Uh, and if you feel so compelled, you know, by all means, reach out to me, send me a message, send me an email. I love connecting with people out there. Uh, cause there's a lot of questions. There's a, obviously we know there's a lot to talk about in this space and, and, and I love to get into it. So Bring it. Yeah, I think I'm going to get one of your foundational uh, movement programs because I started yoga to just open up the more yeah. like be a little softer. Yeah, so, uh, dude, my foundations e-course is is great. Just learning some basic movements. And once you've got those tools, uh, it, it really just lays a good foundation for for, for branching out beyond just the, the traditional strength and conditioning paradigm. So simple movements, big impact. Right on, man. All right, Kellen, thank you so much again, dude. This was a lot of fun. As I know your time's great. valuable, but we really appreciate it. Thank, thank you very much for reaching out. I, I, I love the opportunity. Great, great questions. Great chat. Awesome. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.